With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, I'm Paul Holmgren. Hey, I'm Travis Konechny. Hi, I'm Chuck Fletcher. Hey, this is Jeremy Roenick. Hi, this is Travis Sanheim. Hi, I'm Joel Fairby. Hi, this is Derek Broussard. Hey, I'm Scott Lawton. Hi. This is Bob Clark. And you're listening to Snow the Goalie. 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 Oh, yes! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into Snow the Goalie, the only Flyers podcast, the podcast, players podcast, prognosticators podcast, PDLA podcast, presidential podcast, the only Flyers podcast. And guys, you're very close, very close. We're less than a week away from the return of your team, your town, your Philadelphia Flyers. They're going to start their season. It's going to be a great year. We're all going to have rainbows and smiles, and everything's going to be awesome. Flyers have had a very inspiring uh, preseason so far. Um, really has gone about the way that we expected it to, uh, given the immense talent that was added this offseason. A lot to look forward to. Uh, I'm, I'm happy to be here with you guys today, uh, trying to run a very uh, rigged setup here while I uh, wait for my laptop to come back from Apple. Thanks, Apple. Uh, and in the meantime, Bundy's in the car. Ant is the only person who's uh, set up on his normal rig. So, uh, guys... I don't even know where to start. Um, Bundy, let me ask you. And, you, you know, you, you and I had a, I wouldn't even say a back and forth. You and I have a difference of opinion on one thing that I want to get to shortly. But before we get there, um, you tweeted earlier in the week that uh, on Snow the Goalie, of course, the only Flyers podcast, that you and Ant came up with your first 20 game uh, predictions. Now, I had those mm-hmm. on a sticky note on my desk for the better part of two months or a month and a half, whenever it was. And one of my kids must have taken it and drawn like Captain Underpants on the back. So I don't have it. Um, but I do remember that you guys were pretty close. I want to say that it was something around 414 and two. No, it was, it was a little bit better than that. No, no, I. I Seven, think I had him at something? like 810 and 810 and two. I think I had him at 810 and two. That's and, right. and, and I think I was. Seven, ten, and three. I think I was okay. one point, one game off. Okay, so you guys off. were in the in the same ballpark. Let me yeah. ask you right now because this is the thing that people, I'm sure, have been losing their minds about. Uh, do you want to stick with those projections based on what you've seen uh, this preseason? Um, for me, no. I mean, I don't. I don't. I have ten wins. I mean, I may have trouble. I mean, eight wins. I mean, I don't, I don't know how they're going to do that. Uh, based now, again, you know, we were doing it. We were also speculating we'd have healthier players back in the lineup too, right, when we did this. Yeah. So, you know, from that standpoint, I mean, I, I don't I don't know how they're going to get 10 wins in the first two months, the way that they, they, they've come out. I mean, they obviously, Anthony and, and Russ, have clear goal-scoring woes that are, you know, really, really bad. And, um, and I don't think they, they're not going to be able to be repaired anytime soon. I mean, you can't just all of a sudden flip a switch and – and have, um, you know, somebody, 
you know, all of a sudden become a goal scorer. It just doesn't happen like that. So, you know, they've, they've got, they've got real problems and, and on, on top of it. Oh, we lost him. And we lost him. He said on top of that, let me, let me throw it to you while we well, get him back before, here. before you throw it to me, point. before oh, you throw go. it to me, we should identify that Bundy said before we started, let me pull over into this area in Medford that has really good service. Yeah, I know, right? So, Bundy, you uh, you cut out. You said on top of that. Yeah, on top of that, um, they don't have any goal scoring, and they're in cap hell for years. It's not like – so this wasn't, like, done by design. Like, the Chicago Blackhawks actually look like they're tanking for a reason, right? And they've gotten their top players mad at them, and they got rid of Debrinket, which I know will be a topic here momentarily. But, you know, this is not – like this is a team now where you're sitting around and you're just hoping and crossing your fingers. People show up to watch it because it's not, it's not a team that has a lot of flair. Uh, it, it's not a, it's not a fast team. It's not an, ex- an exciting team. Um, you had the head coach the other day. Again, this isn't me saying this. The head coach said there's probably about what do you say? 10 or 11 guys that are full-time NHLers and the rest of them can go up and down the turnpike back and forth to, to Allentown. Um, he said that. I mean, that's unbelievable that I actually – I couldn't believe I actually that he actually said that, but he's an honest guy. We've told him that. We've said that from the, get, the beginning, but he absolutely did say that, you know, like it's going to be – there's going to be a lot of rotating parts, so you're not going to really have a team that you're going to really be able to hang on to through the year because there's going to be a lot of moving parts. Um, but, man, I'll tell you what, guys, this preseason was more disappointing than I thought and certainly started with the injury to Sean Couturier again taking over. Yeah, and I have to agree with Bundy. I mean, obviously, when we made those uh, predictions, Russ, um, that was with Couturier in the lineup in mind. Um, him not there, not to say that he would have been, you know, the the be all end all of the, to solve their goal scoring uh, dilemma, but it certainly would have helped. Um, I can't I can't see them winning. Like Bundy said, he had him winning eight. I think I had him winning seven. I'm having a hard time getting to that number myself. Um, and so when I look at it, I sit there and say, well, yeah, I, I kind of understand wh- what they're trying to see if they can do here. They're, they're trying to see if any of these guys can kind of develop into secondary scorers. Because if you're, if you're going to be in the lottery and have a shot at a Bedard, um, or one of the, the those big three uh, generational type players. Obviously, that's who you're going to be building around moving forward. Um, but you're hoping that you find a couple of guys here who could be, you know, quality secondary kind of guys. I'm not certain that you're going to even get that um, out of this group. And like, and, and you know, Bundy pointed it out. He said there's maybe 10 H- NHL players. That, that doesn't bode well for, for the group that's there. It really doesn't. Um, you know, what is that saying about your, your guys like your Tippets and your, and your Frosts, you know, um, and, and your Allisons, who are guys who are you're going to be looking at and saying, hey, here's your chance. Show us you can score at the NHL level because if you can't do it this year, you're not going to get another opportunity to do it, right? I mean, what does it say about these guys? So, um, really puts a lot of pressure on them in my mind. And, and not only that pressure is on to do it within a very structured system 
that doesn't always allow for you know a lot of offensive opportunities. It's more of an opportunistic uh, offensive approach. Uh, the way that the way that Torts has them play. So, um, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be an interesting thing to see, at least for for the first couple weeks. And then I have a feeling we're going to be sitting down there like, holy hell, we have to endure a whole nother season of this. Like it, it's going it, to literally it's going to be like all right, I'm, I'm curious. I'm curious to see how this, you know, uh, a team that's, that's this bereft of talent tries to compete and you want to see that compete level. I mean, it's certainly something you want to look at, right? You want to, you don't want to see them just kind of being mutts on the ice. You want to see them actually giving a damn and trying. And so like, you know, that will be a thing of, of interest to watch, but even, even that only takes you so long, so far. And at that point you're looking at it where before we even hit Thanksgiving, we're going to be like, frig, man, we got to sit there through this an entire season of this again. Like I, like I, I haven't even I haven't been down there yet. Obviously, because I've been doing some Philly stuff and and some other stuff uh, outside of work. Um, and 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 I, I haven't missed it. <laughs> I mean, I've been paying attention. I know what's going on, but I haven't missed it because I know what's coming. Call I know, it is, I know yeah. how bad it's going to be. Call, and, call it what it is. Like you're trying yeah. to be diplomatic, uh, and I think critical, but diplomatic. It's a shit show. It's a dumpster fire. It's something that well, we've. It, it, it just is. It right? is, it but just, you don't want – Go ahead. There's no way to spin this, though. No, it's like, not a way – well, the only way to spin it, Russ, here's the comedy of it because, you know, the only way to spin it is to – for someone to come out and say what you wanted them – you, Russ yeah. Joy, wanted yeah. them to say at the start of the summer. Yeah. Right? That's the only way to spin it at this point yeah. is to come out and say – yeah, we're we're kind of taking a few steps back to try and take the big steps forward we need to take. Yep. We're we're tearing it down to tank it, and I mean they're not going to say that those words, but you know, but that but basically say that we're tearing it down. To but build then, it but then you got but then you got the GM last week saying we're excited to show people and prove them wrong. Yeah, well, I know. Don't I, gas, don't I, gaslight I, the fans. That's what well, I mean. We've been hearing this bullshit. For months, yeah, it's gaslighting. It's dishonest. It's garbage. And you know what? You know who's not going to put up with it? John Tortorella is not going to tolerate that. The bullshit gaslighting we've been hearing from the top. It's wrong. You're, you're right. It's you're wrong. Right. It's it is. And the, 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 the and already, whether you want to see it or not, there's already a disconnect between the GM and the coach because the G the coach is already saying we got ten NHLers on this team. Well, whose fault is that? Right. It's the GMs. Well, Hey, so, I mean, that's I, already what he said. Torts came in here. I guarantee you he did not know how bad this was. I'll probably, he'll never say that because he'll tell you he knew. He had no idea. And he came in and he would, probably was like, holy shit. This is like beyond what I've ever seen. I you guarantee you that happened. You know what, though? I'm not so sure. And I'm going to tell you why. When they hired Tortorella, I think I said at the time, I'm very confident that I said at the time, that all know, and that this would go for Tortorella as well. He had a longer shelf life or has a longer shelf life with this organization than Chuck Fletcher does. And I think you and I kind of said, Bunny, I think it was me and you. We might have done a show just the two of us. And I said, like, how long does it take until Tortorella publicly throws Fletcher under the bus? Like, you have the idea that there's going to be some passive jabs about roster, about, you know, I'm doing what I can with what I have. But inevitably, he's going to distance himself from the GM. And ultimately, I think what's going to happen is Tortorella is going to angle to have a front office change. 
I don't know if it's going to be that he gets to, you know, he wants to influence who gets brought in at the GM level or if he just, you know, is open to whatever, but like, this is what I'm looking for in a GM that's going to like go out and be proactive and acquire things. But like, this is textbook what I expected of, of Tortorella. And, and I think it's going to get ugly. I really do. I think that well, uh, two months into the season, you're going to see a very clear line drawn publicly, if not sooner between the coach and, and the GM. This like, you know, you call it gaslighting, which I think is fair. I call it cognitive dissonance. It is this notion that we can all see what is in front of us. And yet this GM continues to push this narrative that, you know, well, the notion, the mere notion of uh, we're going to have, what did he say? Uh, maybe 10, 10 players under the age of 25 make the opening roster. That was at the start of camp. Uh, but we're looking forward to proving people wrong. You can't have it both ways. And you're the one who built the team. You're the one who, you know, people like to go back to Hextall, put the team into some bad contracts, and that's fair. Fletcher has cemented them in cap hell. And it's not just this year. Like, we've talked about this before. There are long-term deals that he signed that look like an albatross, Kevin Hayes. Uh, if Sean Couturier does not get back to some, you know, semblance of, of himself, that's a long deal for a lot of money. Um, you can you have the no movement clause of Nick Laurier uh, and a multi-year contract. It's just like, I, I wanted to put this meme out. Do you guys know the one with, uh, is it Eric Andre? The one where like he's shooting, he like says something, he turns around, he shoots something and he goes like, how did this happen? I, I made it, I made a meme and I, I was going to tweet it. And then I thought, well, there, you know, there's a gun in it, so you can't do that. But it like Chuck Fletcher is that meme. He's the guy who like stands, looks at what the flyers are and like what he told the fans was going to happen. The aggressive retool shoots it and then turns around and says, I don't know how this happened. Like you're the one who constructed it. You're the one who built the roster. You're the one who gave the coach what he has. And all along, you've never backtracked. You know, like it, he could have in the middle of the summer said, we came into this offseason expecting to do some bigger things in free agency or to make some moves in, in trades. It didn't happen. And so now we're going to pivot. You know, now we have to adjust to the reality that lies before us. And that means we're going to be playing younger players. And this is going to be more of a building year than maybe the contending year that we hoped it would be. Uh, Bundy, Ant, tell me that the fans in this city wouldn't have at least appreciated some of that honesty. I mean, they probably still rip him, but they would appreciate that, yeah, right? Like mid-summer, even, even at the start of camp. Just they be honest. Would, they would have. The problem is, and I and I know this with 100% certainty, that this wasn't the plan. Mm -hmm. So, like, if the plan was to do what, they, what they're now doing, they've kind of pivoted to this, that if this was the plan from the beginning, then, yeah, then, of course, then the fans would have appreciated that honesty. But that the, 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 what, what makes Chuck such a failure here is this wasn't what his plan was. Mm -hmm. He thought that he was going to put the, make this team more competitive. He thought that he had a situation in place that he could make it work, that he could move contracts, that he could go out and sign a couple of players and make this team a better team, a more competitive team. He thought Ryan Ellis was going to come back. He didn't know that Sean Couturier was going to get hurt and Farabee was going to get hurt in off-season workouts. Right, he didn't know this stuff with it. Obviously, that you know, that, you can't control that. But <clears throat> the point is, is that this was not his plan. And although it is now, it's just because it kind of fell that way. 
It, it, it became that because of how poorly he did his job. So that this is why I'm I'm absolutely befuddled that he's still in this position. I don't know if you guys are watching. Have you guys been watching um, the Standard? A little bit. The, the the YouTube show that they're that they that the Flyers have made. Um, no, I, I've watched it, and, and you know the reason. Obviously, I have flight plan, uh, baby. Well, I was I birthed the original, right? I mean, I was the original. F- Producer, director, writer of the of the first show that they did. Um, did you need so another girl I, to uh, birth that one, or did Anthony, you do it all natural? That's so funny that you did that, Anthony. Because me and Bill Meltzer were talking yesterday. We were the founders of the original Flyers podcast. Yeah, exactly. exactly. I mean, it's it was him. We talk now. They have all these clown podcasts. And it's like the Homer <laughs> show for hell. And then, but we were the ones that started it. We're fair yeah. and honest about it. That's so funny. You did it too. Amazing stuff. Huh? Yeah. Well, so, so, so of course that's of course I have a, a, an interest in that, and I'll give them a lot of credit. I mean, I, I think that they're doing a nice job with it. I really do think it's it's well put together. It's it's good video. Um, uh, they got Billy Clement doing the uh, the voiceover, so it's obviously he's got a much better voice for voiceover work than I do, which I was the voiceover uh, on the original. So I give them give them props for upgrading there. Um, and, and you know, and, and they're doing a nice job with Tortorella. They're allowing the curse words to be in there. You know, we were we were a little bit more restricted than they are, um, and it's so it's so it's a good product. But I'm sitting there watching it, and they have a segment where it's like Chuck meeting with his group. It's like the the Knights of the Round Table, and it's like this is comedy, man. Like like Chuck sitting there with a list of names. Like these are the guys that Torts wants to play, uh, see a lot of action from in a preseason. <laughs> like, dude looks like he's so lost. Hold on, but was that staged? Like, do you think that's genuinely how? Well, that part of it. Going? Part of it is staged. Of course, it's staged. Okay. There's no question about. It. Part of what we did was staged. Okay, okay. it just has to be. It yeah. can't not be staged, right? You can't not. You can't tell them, hey, we want to film this. Get your guys together, sit around the table, and talk. Right? I mean. Yeah. Obviously, it's it's going to be a little bit staged, um, but there's nothing. It's not like there's a script. It's not like you're giving them a script and they have to follow the script. They're, it's just kind of improvised conversation, and he just really looks lost about it, like about his own team. And, and it's like, yo, this is what Torts wants. This is what Torts. So it's all about the coach. It's all what the coach wants. And so there's no doubt we're going to get to talking about Cam York being sent down. That's what the coach wants. That's not what the GM wants what the coach wants yeah right so i mean i i i look at it right now and i I just think that it it, it's crazy to me that that chuck's kind of still in charge because i don't think he really is i think he's just kind of the the errand boy in a lot of ways for what's going on with that with, with, with that organization He's got a lot of voices over there around him too, Anthony. Sometimes I think the the more people you have around, I I don't think is always a good thing, man. Because I, mean, I think at the end of the day, like you know, that's funny with Hextar, right? like, he did make his own decisions. I think you I'd always have to listen to outside voices, but I also don't think you can have too many extra voices going around telling you everything. Because then you start gets confusing in your head, right? When you got five guys that you know been around the league, have an understanding of players, and and sometimes you just have to have the hard line and be the guy to be able to say, hey, I got to make a decision on this guy, um, you know, and be able to make that call. I don't think he's really, really done that. I think he's guessed second guessed himself many times and maybe got the wrong advice than others. 
Yeah, and I'll give you a perfect example. I'll give you a perfect example. So one of my one of my guys that I talked to down there, um, you know, uh, in that office, let's just say, um, had told me a couple weeks ago that the Swedish kid Ali Lixell um, uh, w- w- was really going to be a guy that they thought made this team. Um, they were really impressed with him, um, the way he played over in the Swedish league, the way he looked this summer. He was going to make this hard push to make the team. So they really made a focus of him in that first episode of, of the show. Now, where do you think that guidance is coming from? It's, it's not like it's not like whoever's making that video, whether Joe Seville or whoever he's got working on the video uh, uh, on the PR squad, on the PR side, marketing side. Um, it's not like they're, they're just sitting there saying, well, hey, let's focus on this guy, Ali Lixel. Right, let's just focus on him. So somebody's told them that, right? Somebody's told them, here's a guy you should focus on. So they do like an eight-minute segment on this guy, and it's great, awesome, right? And I was told the same thing, guy's going to make the team, until Torts cuts him. So what does that tell you? Again, there's a little, little, disag- you little, you little about misunderstanding, right? You want to talk about your disconnects. I think that management thinks one thing, and the coach is like, oh, yeah? I'll show you. Here's who's going to play for me. So is that just a power play, though? To a certain degree, yeah. yeah. To a certain point, she's like, I'll give you an example. So here's a, here's a good way. Like, when, Dave, when Dave Haxtall came in his first year, right here, Russ, he couldn't have decided the player lineup if he paid them to try to decide the player lineup. <laughs> Ron Haxtall was here with his guys. Dave Haxtall wasn't going to go to the GM and go, hey, I really like this guy. He's going to play. They've been like, you know what, bud? We'll let you know who's going to play, and you go out and stand behind the bench and coach the team. The problem is with Torx, he's a big, big person. We've talked about this. We know that. So he is going to push back. He probably now real. I mean, listen, he thinks he thinks he's got 10 NHLers on his team, and he's got to coach that, and he knows he's not going to win consistently with that. So, you know, again, he's going he's gonna, to he's gonna do a lot of pushing back. On, on the year because he's going to grow. He's going to grow increasingly frustrated as well. And that's what happened. So he's going to, and there's going to be, that probably his way of being defiant. Like, I like a player. I like a certain player that you guys maybe, uh, or, or I don't like a player that you guys do. And he's going to be able to where he's at right now in, in his tenure. He'll be able to do whatever he wants. Anything he wants at this point, he will get, he will be allowed to do it. It's an interesting position. It's it's as if um, I feel like Chuck Fletcher put himself in a in a corner, and Tortorella within two months could fully emasculate him. You know, yeah, it's not it's not a, it's not a guy you hire if you're a general manager and you're looking just to, to get through the months and keep your job. You know, like and, and have an easy ride. There's certain coaches you can do. You can go hire some guy out of college is not going to ever say a word to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you hire a guy like Torts, you're getting a guy who's uh, you know fully on board. And he's going to voice his daily opinions to you, whether you like it or not. And, and let's this, not forget, and this is like, why... back, back in the time when they were doing the hiring process, and we talked about Trotz, and we talked about Tortorella, and the fact that the organization brought in that outside hiring firm, and you know, Anthony wrote the whole thing about it, and then it was, you know, there was a little bit of pushback about how a lot of teams do that kind of thing. You know, we don't know. We don't know if this is the guy that Chuck Fletcher would have hired. No, we don't... it's not. No, I'm going to tell you right now. We do know. We know this was not Chuck Fletcher's hire. He can say all he wants that he wanted this guy. He can come out and discredit, try and discredit our reporting uh, all he wants to. 
with 100% certainty, I tell you people, I promise you, this was not Chuck Fletcher's choice. Go ahead, Ross, continue. Well, there we go. That was it. I just wanted to see, you know, can, can, I, can I get you to, can I get you to, so um, this isn't going to go well. And when you have uh, discord, um, differing opinions, uh, lack of cohesion, we've seen what that looks like before, not just with this team, uh, but with other teams, and especially in this city. Uh, it doesn't end well. So, um, guys, I, I want to ask you this uh, before we get into uh, the Debrinka thing and the Cam York thing. Um, have you seen anything this preseason that makes you feel warm and fuzzy in your, in your belly? Is there anything right now that, like, you say, hey, I like the play of this guy. I like how these few players appear to be meeting the moment, and we think that these guys are going to be real torts guys, maybe guys that we didn't expect to make the team out of camp or guys that maybe put themselves on the radar for an early season call-up. Like, can we find a little bit of hashtag positivity here this morning, this afternoon, whenever somebody's listening to the show? I, I, I think, well, and this is not a big, big surprise, because we talked about him a little bit at the end of last year. But Noah Cates is a legit he, – I think he's one of those 10, 11 NHLers that Torts is talking about. Now, he's not going to be a top-line guy or, or even really a second-line guy, but as a, as a third-line forward mm-hmm. who can maybe give you 15 goals a year, maybe 35 points, play a solid two-way game – I think he's a kid that, that's going to come in here and and really be a liked player and play play the way that that Tortorella wants him to play. He's yeah. got the, he's, he's got versatile. that makeup. He's got that makeup. Yeah. He's pretty pretty versatile player too, right? Like you play up and down your lineup. So I agree with Anthony on that. I'm looking forward more to seeing you know some of the other bigger things. Uh, you know, not so much the young guys right now, but you know, see how the Proverhoff and the Angelo pair comes along and and how. You know, Kevin Hayes with Fair uh, playing out a couple lines. I mean, to see really where they're at with that. But, you know, guys, I agree with, uh, you know, the Cates, uh, Nolan Jackson. I mean, I, I obviously the one that um, Nolan's the one that's got a little bit more uh, of a skill in the NHL player. But, you know, it is funny, too, Anthony, when you uh, um, you just mentioned we go back to the 10 or 11 NHL players, right? So the biggest the biggest joke in the room early will be the other guys looking around wondering, was he talking about me as one of those 10 or 11? Or, or am I one of the outside the box box turnpike riders that I'm just waiting right waiting for my turn? So that's kind of the other thing that you actually like. Torch is a smart guy, right? He's pretty calculated. I'll tell you what, when you say something like that, that reverberates through the locker room like you will not believe because you put everybody on edge. Everybody's wondering where they fit into what his his thought process is on players. So, you, you know, I mean, there's a couple of young guys, but not a lot, Russ, right now. You, yeah. you know they're counting, right? You know they're sitting there at their stall and looking around that room and ca- in their head, they're counting. You yes, see how many, how many they put. Yeah, 100%. All right. I, I want to shift this now because there are two things that have happened. Um, one that I I don't know how we're going to feel about, and one that I know that, that Bunny and I at least you know respectfully disagree about. Uh, I don't know which way you guys want to go with this first. I Maybe the, the quickest thing is to do the, the really quick uh, story. So Alex Dabrinkit, who was on the trade block from Chicago, a, a team that went into the offseason uh, pretty much openly admitting that they were going to pursue the best pick they could in the draft and start the rebuilding process in Chicago, which is an intelligent thing to do if you uh, are a bad team 
uh, or you can see the writing on the wall and you're not like a narcissist who, uh, you know, just, you know, can't come to grips with things. Um, Debrinket was available. The Flyers were involved uh, at some level, ultimately chose not to make a move. And the thought process that a lot of people brought to the table um, was that, well, Debrinket isn't going to re-sign with wherever he goes. He's going to test free agency uh, unless he's traded to a contender, right? And Ottawa, not a contender. Word comes out on Wednesday night that Debrinket, uh, there was Kevin Weeks is the one who reported it, that Debrinket was close to signing an extension with Ottawa. Now, the reason I bring this up is because at the time, I was frustrated saying, here's a guy who's a 40-goal scorer at a young age. Now, he's going to cost a lot, but he's a hell of a goal scorer. He's not a fluke. Um, guys, I, I, I feel like this is another missed opportunity. This is like another potential unforced error. You had the draft capital to go out and get this guy. And granted, Ottawa's situation and Philadelphia's situation are not the same. It's very hard to try to you know extrapolate all of these things and try to you know put them on top of each other and say that Dabrinkit absolutely would have done the same thing here. But is this a missed opportunity? Like if Dabrinkit's willing to sign an extension with Ottawa, is it a missed opportunity to have not brought him in here for two years? <laughs> I'm from Ottawa, born and raised. I wouldn't assign anything in Ottawa. <laughs> So they really, really hit a home run getting anybody to commit. You know, one thing I'll say about Ottawa, like you talk about there's another way of managing things, right? Mm-hmm. They put all their apples in, into one big basket, right? Anthony, like they've got guys signed now that are multi-year layered guys. Uh, Kachuk, who I think is, is the best of the bunch. Uh, Stutzel, Norris. Now to bring it right, so you have guys eight, and like ba- four or five and guys, Batherson too. and Batherson, yeah, 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 and and uh, the, yeah, now I'm missing a defenseman somewhere too, Anthony. Well, Shabbat, uh, Shabbat. So yeah. you got a lot of guys committed, and, and here's the thing with Ottawa, so they're going to let those guys grow together with the same kind of salary type of thing. You know, again, there's no guarantee that works either. On paper, those guys have scored and produced at certain numbers at an early stage in their career, but they put a lot in it. I commend the Brinkett for signing up there. I actually commend I commend a lot of those guys for they got traded to Canada this summer. They're signing extensions in Canada, both um, uh, Huberno um, and the defenseman um, in Calgary, and then now the Brinkett gets traded to Ottawa. So believe me, it's it's hard it's hard to want to play in Canada now if you're making uh, you know if you're on a team going through customs. We've talked about this before. It's a pain in the ass to play in Canada. It is, and it's cold as hell up there in the winters. So I know it's part of the sport. Um, that being said, guys, um, Ottawa certainly has made moves to, that shows their fan base that they're serious about what they're doing. Uh, these guys are all uh, homegrown pieces of talent. Uh, and the break is a guy, like, if you look at Chicago, listen to what Patrick Kane said. Like, he said, I was stunned that they did that. They're, I was completely stunned that, that they, we got rid of the break, uh, a key piece. Now, they're tanking. They're tanking with deliberation and, and what they're doing. Um, yeah, I, I didn't. You know what, Russ? I, I don't know Alex Debrinket. You know, I don't know what makes guys tick. Uh, he's a, a wonderful young goal scorer and a good young player in this league, and, and we can't have enough of him because this need, league needs to show these guys off. Uh, but in a sense like that, I don't know. Um, um, I, I would. If, if, you're right. If he signed in, my point was I didn't want to take a shot at my hometown because, like I said, border race. But if he signed an extension in Ottawa, you sure as hell think he'd sign one in Philadelphia too. Right. Yep. I'll which, leave it at that. Which is 
and I don't know. I don't know how you feel. I don't know if think if I don't know if has Jabrinkit signing the extension kind of like retroactively made you change your stance at all about how you felt about the Flyers not going out and making that move a few months ago. Does it change things for you in hindsight? Um. So it was for a first round pick, a second round pick this year, and a third round pick in twenty four. If I remember correctly, um, that's a lot of draft capital to give up for a guy that you're not sure is going to sign. Now, again, if you had maybe Ottawa got an insurance, maybe the report that came out wasn't true. You know, maybe Ottawa got assurances from DeBrinket and his agent that said, you know, yeah, we, we would we would consider signing an extension prior to you know hitting free agency well if that's the case well then yeah then yeah i would have made that deal you know although when you think about it i mean the flyers did get a a player that a lot of people liked with that first overall with that first pick fifth overall this year getting um cutter gochier yeah so yeah yeah, and he's fifth overall, and like he should be good, right? Yeah, right. I mean, so 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 if that's the case, I mean, Ottawa's pick was seventh overall. Um, that's that's a tough call, right? Because you would have had to give up Gauthier, a pick that you didn't have uh, at the time, so you're going to have to come up with something else, um, and then that third round pick in twenty four is whatever. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it really, I mean, you know, it, it, looking at it, looking back at it now, you say. Would you trade Cutter Gauthier for Alex Dabrinkit? I'm not sure, especially considering they think Gauthier can play center and and really be one of those guys that's going to be a star here for a long time. I I, I probably still say no. Okay, but but the fact that Dabrinkit's willing to sign does make me think about it a little bit because but but then again, finding big, powerful centers who can be difference makers in this sport are far more important than finding wingers who can score. And, and, and so that's why I, that's why I, I hem and haul. And I still do right now. And I know I'm kind of hedging because we don't know what Cutter Gauthier is going to be, but if he's going to be what a lot of scouts think he can be, then I probably, and, and if I'm going to rely on, rely on that as my, uh, you know, uh, reasoning, then I, I probably still say no to the, the Brinkett trade. You know, the, I guess the, the thing to put a bow on this, like the, the thing is, you know, it's, it's a matter of uh, taking the, the known quantity and a young 40 goal scoring player um, versus, you know, crossing your fingers and hoping that your scouts and your front office has done a good job of evaluating a talent um, and, and using a first round pick on that player and developing them into a star. And luckily for the Flyers, they've done an excellent job uh, over the last decade of developing their first round picks into being uh, superstar level players or even star level players. And one of those is a guy who was taken 14th overall a few years back here uh, by this current regime, uh, Cam York. For those who don't remember, um, the Flyers had the ability to trade or to, uh, to draft Cole Caulfield, who is small, uh, has had a good preseason in terms of scoring, played at the NHL level last year, had some struggles, got sent down. Um, jury's still out on what he's going to be. Cam York played 30 games last season, played, I believe it was the last 13 or the last 17 games 
of last regular season. Um, played some sheltered minutes. Appeared as though he was going to enter this season uh, as a third-pair defenseman. The top four pretty locked in. Team brought back Justin Braun. One could surmise that meant that they expected Cam York and Justin Braun to start the year together on the third pair. Uh, fast forward, Cam York gets sent down. Ronnie Adderd's still here. Igor Zamula's still here. Though Tortorella did say that he expects both of them to get sent down, which means that it is conceivable that on opening night, in front of a packed house at Wells Fargo Center, the Flyers are going to put out a third pair of Justin Braun and Nick Sealer. Uh, Bundy, you've played on the blue line in the NHL. Does the combination of Nick Sealer and Justin Braun, one, excite you, and two, excite you about the long-term prospects uh, with that third pair? I, you know, Ross, I just don't give a shit. Like, I really don't. I mean, I, we know what they are. I, just, I don't give two shits about either of those guys. They're good guys. Like, but listen, it, it, someone can say the same thing about me. I'm not like I'm, I'm throwing not. I've never thrown shade on myself or had shade thrown at me. I have. Uh, you go through good times in the league and bad times, and you are the player you are. Um, listen, nothing against Nick Sealer or Justin Braun. I mean, Braun's been a great veteran for a long time. Sealer's a gamer. Um, are they top pair defense? No. I mean, Braun has played up higher in a lineup in his younger years. But I'm not here to, to, to do that to those guys. It's not their fault. Um, they just don't care. The thing I do care about is a guy earning his spot in training camp, which still actually means something to people in this league. You know, I watch a lot of these little uh, these little sugar coaters that get handed the keys to the – I said I used the, you know, the terminology yesterday. They get handed the keys to these cars, and they have no business even being able to drive them, right? I love what Torts did here. The guy came in, he did nothing in preseason talking about Cam York. Now, do I believe he has a future? Of course he does. He's a first-round pick. They're going to give him ample opportunities like they did last year. And if they have to pick between him and two other guys on a call-up when, when they really realize the season doesn't mean anything, it will be him who gets the call-up ahead of the others because he's the first-round pick. That being said, from what I've heard and seen, he came in with almost that kind of a um, little bit of a, a swagger but he hadn't earned the swagger with this coach yet. This is a coach that couldn't get along with Patrick Liney, right? Like, I mean, he came in, they didn't, he didn't want anything to do with, with uh, not Liney, with uh, uh, Dubois, and ended up getting a trade. So he doesn't like, love younger guys. He wants them to earn something. What he did with Cam York, I, think, you know, I, I like I like it from a sense, and Russ, and I, I, I was saying yesterday, I love what your take is, at least as you said it, and I know what you're thinking. But there has to be some accountability, especially to your key young guys, or this ship just keeps sinking over the years. So if you have a core of four or five guys, if it's four or five guys right now, they're the ones that have to have the message received properly for the for everything eventually when it takes off so that they're on the same page. I'm going to go back to my own career really quick. I played my third year in the league. And you know what? When I look back, I think I played like 160 straight games or something in the league. And I was already in the NHL. Uh, I played with Dimitri Skevich and, uh, and Shell Samuelson uh, up to that point. And, and, and the story is pretty documented. I got, so I got benched. I was a mainstay guy. I was playing. Wasn't playing well. And I got benched for nine games, I think, out of the 14 in that stretch. And you want to talk about a wake-up call? that I'd never seen. And I realized I was at a crossroads in my hockey career. You're going to do the things that are going to make you a player play here every day, or you're going to end up eventually getting sent down and being a retread. And I took that so seriously um, that I 
I changed my attitude. I changed my work ethic on the spot. I learned in that time that I was no longer a kid. It was time to grow up. And when I did that and I took the, the reins of that, I took the saddle. It was 30 days later I was playing with Eric Jardin, and we never split up for 10 years. And that to me is, is accountability. That's facing stuff head on. Um, learning to be a better professional, learning to be do things better on the ice, a little sharper, but also having being able to present yourself off the ice to your teammates and to the organization, what a professional player should look like. This is just a stepping stone for Cam York. It's not the end of the world for him. He will be back. He will get another opportunity, plenty of them, and he'll probably be up sooner than later with the way this team is constructed. But for right now, I admire John Tortorella for doing the right thing. He did not earn it in training now. And, um, and I think that he has to has to step up and and uh, and, and be a man, be a man about it. Go play your ass off there in uh, in, in, in Lehigh for as many games they have you there, and take it as a, take it as a developmental sign, not one that somebody's taking a crap all over you. Yeah, Sorry for I, the long time, yeah. No, no, that's no, And I agree with you, Bundy. You know, I I have a problem with <laughs> I would have a problem with this if this lingered, right? Like if he was down in the AHL and just stayed down there for a long period of time. And we got 35 games out of the combination of Braun and Sealer before we even thought about bringing York back. That would bother me. But in in, in the nutshell, and Torts basically said it. I mean, and and like you said, he's as honest as the day is long. He said, look, this isn't about a physical thing. This isn't the way he's playing hockey. This is the mental approach to the game. This is the thing that he has to do things. He has to think the game differently. He has to be a better player in his head. Not His skills are there. We see it. We know what he can do. He's got to be better on the other side. And that's what they need him to do. That's, what, that's exactly your point. He didn't earn it. And there was, a, there was a process. If you go back through and look at the games he played, you know, it's interesting how Torts does this. He doesn't coach them until the end. And so you had LaPerriere coaching them the first game and said, yeah, you know, you got to do some of the little things better. And then you had Shaw coaching him the second game, and Shaw's in charge of the defense. And he's like, yeah, there's a couple things we need him to be a little bit better at. And then Torts. Look, if you have three different coaches who are telling you you got to get better at something, and over the course of two weeks you don't really get better at it, well, guess what? We're going to send you somewhere where you will get better at it. And that's a good message to send. And you're right. You want him pulling on that rope when he comes back to the, to the NHL club. And you want him to be one of those core pieces that is going to buy into what the team's doing. And everybody else. Be a say, leader. Yeah, be a leader. Exactly. Be a leader, right? Like he could come back a different guy. That's a, that's a yeah. huge possibility. That could happen. But you have to earn it. And that's with Terry Murray. I remember when I ended up getting elevated to play with the Jardin. I went from nine games on the bench to becoming one of their best players. And that's the year we went to the Stanley Cup Finals. And I heard Terry Murray said, you have to earn the right to play with Eric Desjardins. And I remember I asked him, he goes, and Bundy has more than done that. So, you know, again, I, I like it. And, you know, it's the lesson. That, that was a life lesson for me, too, you know, with, with Terry Murray. Like, I, I, I related, uh, went back to it. I was in my book uh, coming up soon. And it was a defining moment in my life and in my professional career. And, you know what, when I see Terry Murray, I may not talk to him about it. But in my own head, I give him a little wink and a smile when I see him at an alumni game or a tournament, a golf 
And I think to myself, thank you, Terry Murray. You don't really realize what you did, but you allowed me to play another nine years in the NHL because I figured it out. Mm-hmm. And you gave me the chance to do that. You know, I, I found myself at a conflicted point yesterday when I when I put out the thing that I did that Bundy responded to. And it's it's kind of simple. Um, and I, I think it's really hard. I think it's hard to it's hard to do what's best for the team and also do what's right for the team long term. And I think that the the issue that I have with the move is if you're not going to have Cam York start the season on the third pair, then there should be a kid on that that pairing. You know, if, if you're John Tortorella and, you know, you want to make the point that Ronnie Adder deserves to stay up at least in the short term because he dropped the gloves in a game that he shouldn't have dropped the gloves. This, this is a whole other thing. But, you know, Adder's the one who goes out, drops the gloves uh, in a meaningless preseason game, makes a statement to the coach. So it's not meaningless from that standpoint. But, like, I don't know, you, you went out and got a bunch of, you know, fourth-line guys that are supposed to be good at enforcing and are supposed to be, you know, for this kind of moment. And instead added to the guy who's dropping the gloves, whatever. Why is Adderd or Zamula who isn't ready? Like, why aren't one of them starting at the NHL level to start the season? Uh, my problem is Nick Sealer has no future with this team. Justin Braun has no future with this team. This is a lost season, you know, barring the most miraculous season in the history of professional sports, like Leicester City winning the EPL a few years ago. So, like, aside, aside from that happening, like, you should be doing what you can to get as many minutes for young players in a meaningless season as possible. Because there's nothing quite like, and Bunny, I'm sure you could talk to, about this, like, there's nothing quite like having to play and process at the NHL level. You know, the AHL is what it is. Junior is what it is, but the NHL is a different beast. There are no expectations on this season. Fans don't expect this team to go out and compete for a playoff spot. You know, it might only be 10 games. It might be 15 games until Cam York makes his way back up here or until Adderd plays his way on, you know, into the lineup. But to me, it's like 10 to 15 games that you could be giving experience and reps at this level to a guy. And if, if you want to make the argument that Adderd has deserved it based on his camp, then that's fine. Like I have no, I have no qualms about that. But Sealer and Braun getting ten to fifteen games worth of reps is a waste, at least from where I stand. But it goes back to what we just talked about with the guy having York in there with the right attitude. That's all it is, Russ. Yeah. We, Tortorella knows what you just said as well. But to me, I, again, I'm, that's why I was so polite in my video yesterday because I do love you. And I, and I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, like, well, what the hell? This team is so goddamn shitty. Why don't we just play every young guy? But, again, there's there's an accountability part from John Tornarello that spent his entire career demanding accountability. And that's the one thing, the one faucet he's not going to turn off now or at any point in his coaching career moving forward. He can't do that because that goes against everything he's done. I mean, he's, I've watched him over the years where he's had guys um, – uh, veteran players, you know, in, in games where they didn't all of a sudden you're I was calling the game or whatever, radio or TV, and you realize a guy, a veteran, hadn't played an entire third period. You're like a Dubinsky or someone like that. Like, I mean, guys have been around a while. So, uh, you know, that this is what he does, and, and that's yeah. what he has to do. Um, and that's really, I think, what's key with John Tortorella because he needs to make those kind of decisions because he's made those decisions his whole career. And I guess that's why I've kind of modified my stance. Like I, I looked at it yesterday and I said, this is like, this is a waste because Cam York's a first round pick. Like you got to figure out if he, can he process the game at this speed, whatever. 
and I guess I've kind of pivoted a bit to just being why, like if, if you're John Tortorella and you're impressed enough to keep Adderd up longer, why would you then go out um, an hour later and say publicly that you think Adderd and Zamula are going to get sent down? Like, I guess Bundy, my, my, my overarching question here is if, if we are in agreement that York didn't have a great preseason and you don't want to like, kind of like Nolan Patrick, this where you're just letting a guy play because he was a high draft pick. Why wouldn't you give Adderd that spot if he's earned it? Like, why why would you go out and publicly say an hour later that he's going to get sent down with the presumption that, like, Sealer is going to get those minutes? You know what I mean? Like, that's I think that's like, there is a way to yeah. kind of thread this needle. And I think that's where it's yeah. missed. You know, we, we, we can live in one of two camps. You can live in the Sealer camp because he's, you know, I, I guess he's had an okay enough camp kind of okay enough preseason you could live in the you know the the york needs to play because he's a first round pick but there really is a middle path Adderd is the middle path why not roll with him for the first eight to ten games and if he doesn't play well and york does play well in the a flip them you know what i mean like that's why i feel like it's a waste and well again and this is why i try to be the middle person here I'm okay with this. Like I said, if it's a short-term message sending, get the kid back where he, you know, in the right mindset before you bring him back up here kind of move. But if it's, if this is something that extends, like I said, through the first 30 games of the season, 35 games of the season, then it's a, then I agree. Then it's a waste. What are we wasting? Why are you not letting a player like Cam York play at this level while the team sucks. He already, he already did it for 30 games last year. It's not like you're, you're damaging him further. I understand the message that needs to be sent and I agree with it. And I'm, I'm, I'm on board with what Torts did here. It just can't be long. So that's why I'm, I'm kind of like, I agree with both of you in a sense. I'm just, I'm just not ready to jump on Russ's side on October 6th. I could be on Russ's side come a, mo- a little over a month from now. But right now, I'm not ready to go there yet. Uh, if it gets to that point, I- I'm-, I'm right there with you, Russ. But I-, I think that, I think Bundy's point is well taken and is, and, and Torts' move is correct for the time of year that we're at. Get it, get it fixed now. If it costs you, if it costs you, a couple weeks of games at the NHL level, no big deal. And then the kid goes down there and all of a sudden he's probably too good for the AHL and he's playing at the level you need him to play and think, you know, has the right attitude that adjustment happens and then it works. And then he comes back and then you, you never have to send him down again. Right. I'm, I'm good with that. There, there is a concern though, right? Because they they've done that in recent years with two players, one who is going to probably make the team to start Morgan Frost and one who's, pro- I don't even know if he's going to play in the league anymore, in Phil Myers. They they did this not that long ago, where uh, it was Myers, right? Wasn't it two years ago that we we all thought Myers was going to make the team out of camp because they they had presumably set him up to, to be in a position to play on that third pair, and then he had like an iffy camp got sent down. I don't remember how many games he played in the AHL, um, but ultimately, like, he kind of he kind of moped. It messed with him. He admitted publicly that it messed with his his psyche. Eventually, he played well enough to get called back up, and then he kind of proved that he's not really an NHL guy. 
Uh, I know that he's in a different place. He was an undrafted free agent. York is a first round pick, all that. Not trying to say that I think like, can't, you know, we're trying to figure out at 21 years old, if Cam York is a bust or, you know, if, if he's going to be, you know, a third pair defenseman his entire career. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I understand what you guys are saying. I just don't think it's as, as easy as we might want to make it out to be. There is the possibility that this doesn't go well, you know, that, that, well, that yes, this, but here's this the thing, you know, bear fruit. And that's okay. And that's okay, Ross, because you know what that tells you then? Then that tells you that the player is not what you want. Okay. Phil Myers, you're, you're right. It happened with Phil Myers. It messed with his head. He got traded to Nashville. How, how did that work? That's what I'm saying. He's, he's pretty much going to be out of the league, right? Just, so. just got traded for Ryan McDonough. That's <laughs> true. One hell of a deal. He's Stanley Cup champion. Yeah, got traded for him. He will get – I don't know what will happen to him unless he gets sent down now. Uh, so we'll, we'll see. We'll so, see. guys, I, I think that's probably a good place to wrap for today. Um, interesting. The fly, I will say, for a team that's not good and for a team that doesn't really have a, a, a lot in terms of expectations this year, they do make it interesting. Um, this is not a team that you're going to, uh, I guess, lose track of, right? Like, they're, they're going to continue to make headlines in some way, shape, or form. I don't know if it's always for the best reasons. Um, but Ant, I, I think that's probably a good place to wrap. I know Bundy had to, to roll out for a call. Just trying to see here really quick because we've, um, uh, the last time we had a five-star review, it's been a little bit. So I'm going to go back. We're going to take a look at the uh, reviews for next week. I'm pretty sure that we're caught up. Um, but if you're listening out there and you feel so inclined to leave a five-star review over on Apple podcasts, you can certainly do that. We always love an Apple podcast, five-star review. The, the rating is great. The written review is better. Remember, if for some reason you don't like the show, leave a five-star review, and I'll still read it here. All right? So if you're just like, this guy sucks. If you hate me or, or Bundy or Ant or all three of us, <laughs> you know, uh, if, you, if that's your kind of thing, leave a five-star review. We'll read it. We'll read it no matter how critical it is. Um, yes, I, got, I got one question for you. Yeah, what's up? Just, just, just This is the last second. Uh, openers next week, right? Yeah. What, what kind of what kind of crowd is that going to look like, Anthony? Ross? Um, I think it's the opener, so it'll be better than most crowds. Over under butts and seats seventy five hundred. Uh, uh, taking the over or the over? Under? I'll, I'll over. Go over. I'll go over. over. It'll, twelve thousand five hundred. Yeah, it'll be about 12, twelve. I was about to say. I, I was about to say same. It'll be about twelve. Wow. But but only the opener. Okay. After the opener. Yeah. It's going to be a lot, a lot lower. Hmm. Okay. Ross, wrap it up. We won't talk probably before the opener. So I'm just kind of curious about that, that thought process. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll see how this goes. Um, all right. Thanks for listening to Snow the Goalie. Make sure you follow us wherever you get your podcasts Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music. We're everywhere. Of course, you can find us over on uh, the Crossing Broad YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Crossing Broad, where the video of this episode will live. And I probably shouldn't say this yet because I, I'm not totally thrilled with how it looks right now, but you can also go over to snowthegoalie.com. That's right. You go over to snowthegoalie.com. We, we, we have a website? <laughs> There's a website now. I built, I built a website in between writing uh, sports betting posts uh, one night. So uh, I'm not saying it's great. Oh. I'm not saying that it's the most aesthetically pleasing. Uh, it's certainly not going to win an award, but if you're trying to, you know, I guess show somebody what the show is, it has the uh, YouTube channel there. 
it's got the Spotify and Apple podcast players on the main page. There's like an about us page or something where like it's the RSS feed if you want to tap into it that way. You know, we're just continuing. We're continuing this episode. Did you guys get a copy of the book yet to read? What's that? Did you get a copy of Road to Redemption yet in my book? No, we didn't uh, get the copies yet. Okay, they're supposed, they're supposed to be coming to you guys. So. Okay. And, and Bundy, you have one other cool thing that you're doing. Uh, yes, yes. This weekend, actually, October 8th, uh, at the Morgantown Auto, the classic auto mall, which is right off the Pennsylvania Turnpike. Uh, I'm doing a thing uh, called Cars for Casey. A gentleman by the name of Andy Rumford had lost his daughter to addiction several years ago. And he has uh, joined forces with some of his great friends. And they do an incredible uh, a car, uh, oh, a classic car auction. And I'm going to be speaking about addiction and mental health. Uh, and the importance of bringing awareness to this uh, in, in these many, many communities in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Delaware, and the tri-state area. So I'm really excited. I'm going to be speaking about a keynote speaker. There's going to be thousands of people there. And if you have a chance, come on out and take a look at some of these cars. They are magnificent. It's Cars for Casey Autorate at the Classic Auto Mall in Morgantown, Pennsylvania, just on the turnpike. That's fantastic. That's a great, a great thing. Encourage people to go out to that. And uh, I, I think at some point next week, We'll dive a little bit deeper on Bundy's project, uh, his book, Road to Redemption. Uh, Bundy, I, I believe it's available wherever people can find books, right? Is not it, later this month. Is it a pre-order? I called my mom and dad three days ago. I said, hey, how's everything going? You know, I called mom and dad. They're home alone. Dad, by the way, happy birthday to my dad who turns 80 today. Dad, uh, love yeah. you, buddy. Happy birthday to happy the birthday, birthday big guy. Man, he's man. So um, I, I call my mom and uh, dude, it started off, guys, is really a hockey story book. And when Triumph called me, I said, listen, I, I'm coming clean with a lot of my personal stuff. And, and that's – I know we want to do a show with it, but it's a great read. And it's really, I think, it ended up becoming a blueprint for people that are struggling with uh, alcohol use disorder, drug addiction, mental health. And in some way, shape, or form, if you get it, get into this book deep enough, I think you can use it as a roadmap to your own recovery if that's what you choose to do. So I'm pretty proud of it. It wasn't what I started out to be, but – when I when I read the, the 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 final edit of it, I was like, "Wow, I'm I'm pretty pretty proud of it, and I've had quite a life uh, to this point." So um, it's good stuff. I'm awesome. excited to read it. I'm sure Anthony is too. Uh, you can go over yeah. to Bundy's Twitter at Cetarian Six. The link of that is in the uh, description. You know what, Bundy? I think I'll probably drop the link in the uh, description of the episode straight to the uh, Triumph Books page, uh, so people can Great. order the book. Um, so give that give that a read. Uh, your co-author on this one, uh, Wayne Fish, a delightful guy. Uh, and is he the is he the longest tenured uh, writer covering the Flyers at this point? It, he, oh, easily. He's got to be. Easily. Almost 50 years. Incredible. Yeah, I think so. it's his 49th year coming up. So yeah. very cool. Yeah, uh, and it, we'll, uh, we'll dive into that, I guess, next week. Um, in the meantime, make sure you follow us over on uh, your favorite podcast app. You can watch the show. And you can follow us on Twitter at 
Terrian6 at Ansan Philly at Joy on Broad at Snow the Goalie on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook.com slash Snow the Goalie. So for Ant, for Bundy, I'm Russ. Thanks for listening or maybe even watching. We'll talk to you next week here on Snow the Goalie, the only Flyers podcast.